Welcome to Deep Impact Investing with Kimberly Griego-Kyle from Horizon Sustainable Financial Services. In this podcast, we talk about sustainable investing and how your portfolio reflects your values. Do your investments seek accountability from corporations that govern more and more of our society and even the lives we lead? Listen in as we explore the question, are you investing like you give a damn? Hello and welcome to Deep Impact Investing with Kimberly Griego-Kyle from Horizons Sustainable Financial Services. Today we're talking about a chain, the supply chain. Hello, Kim. How are you? That's right. I'm great, Eric. How are you? It took everything in my being not to start singing. Chain, chain, chain. (laughs) Well, we do need to change it. So yeah, go ahead. Sing along. (laughs) No, I'm done. (laughs) That's the only only preview anybody gets. (laughs) So we're talking about a supply chain. I'm, I'm yeah, kind of, I'm yeah, very lots intrigued. of supply chains. Yeah, yeah. Supply chain issues are uh, down. Down supply chain issues are kind of a big deal. So I thought we would talk about that. What's changed? What's not changed? What we need to be doing? What not us personally, but what companies need to be doing on this issue? Mm-hmm. So and what we should be pushing companies to do on this issue? Yeah, so. and I don't think I've ever heard anybody focus at least. Nobody that I've listened to has focused on the supply chain. So I'm really intrigued what this means. Yeah, I I think it kind of gets pushed to the back burner unless something really tragic happens, Mm -hmm. uh, which, uh, you know, four or five um, years ago, it was a big issue when there was that huge factory fire in Bangladesh and Mm -hmm. a lot of mostly women and children died. Uh, supply mm. chain issues came up and they were in the forefront for a while gotcha. and then it okay. faded away. So yeah, but it's, it's an issue and it's something that we do look at in sustainable investing. And, you know, we, we are pushing to see changes made and, you know, so, so yeah, I, I do want to talk about that today and, and why should we care? That's not the only reason we should care, you know, Hey, there's a one-off, you know, big, fire and let's pay attention to it for a short period of time. And then we forget about it, but there's a lot of other issues. So I bet you want to know what those are. I would love to. I mean, what are we focusing on? Yeah. So it's not just about there was a fire, but the reason so many people died is because those were mainly women who were essentially enslaved in that Mm -hmm. factory. So there's slavery issues. Those doors were locked. They couldn't get out. Wow. Yeah, there are also child labor issues, you know, so the, there's the forced labor issue that what conflict minerals, which we've heard about for a couple of decades now, mm-hmm. which the harvesting of those support horrible regimes that which we really don't want to be supporting at product quality issues in, you know, in terms of where are those products coming from, how are they being created, anti-bribery processes and Mm. in terms of who's getting contracts for this product, that product, the components that goes into those products. Trade security is also a big issue. The social responsibility and energy usage of creating a product and simply better environmental practices on components that go into creating a product. Automobiles, for example, how, how those are being made, where the components are coming from. You know, we could probably list another half a dozen things, but, you know, those are just some of them. 
Yeah. So those a, are some of the reasons we want to care. Yeah. And that's, so. I mean, that's a huge list already. And I, yeah. just thinking about, take Boeing as an example. My, my father yes. retired from Boeing. They have plants all over the place. And then they also have smaller companies that are supplying, like you said, the supply chain are supplying parts. Exactly. I have no idea how many, it'd be very interesting to find out how many companies contribute to one plane. Oh, I can't even imagine because there's so many components that go into that. Interestingly enough, my father-in-law also worked for Boeing. Oh, there you go. Yeah, so I didn't know that. But so so that brings up, you know, what exactly do we mean by supply chain? And nearly every company that we come into contact with has, you know, that, that has a product that we might buy has a supply chain, mm-hmm. you know, where those components come from. And where they're getting those components directly, indirectly, Johan and I were having a conversation with a client this morning and she said, what does that mean, supply chain? And so we were, because we were talking about this issue with her and, and we said, he, he was talking to a company last week and they said, oh, we have this uh, battery that we're looking at selling and it goes underneath solar panels to store the incoming energy source and Johan was asking him, the the president of this company. So where the where does the lithium come from that goes into this battery? And mm-hmm. and the owner said, Oh, well, it's this company, and, and you know the, uh, they're part of his supply chain. And he said, Okay, so where does that company get the lithium? And he said, I don't know. Mm-hmm. And and that's the supply chain. So he really had no idea where the company he bought his battery components from was getting this important piece of the product, which is important. So that's what we want to know. Where does the down the chain product component getting the important pieces from? So yeah, we really want to know. That's a lot of due diligence. I mean, is uh, absolutely is that even possible, Kim? Really? Yes, it is. Impo- it is possible. All right. So you know, it's it's important for the the company who's buying components to understand where certain pieces, maybe not everything is important, but things that might pollute the environment, mm-hmm. harm the people who are putting those components together, know where those products or pieces of those products are coming from. They also need to understand if they're making clothing, who the manufacturers, actual manufacturers of those pieces of of clothing, whether it's Bangladesh, India, China, Korea, uh, wherever they are, are providing good employment practices for mainly women Mm -hmm. uh, who are putting those, you know, actually doing the sewing of those products, that they're not basically uh, forced labor, that they're not employing children. Uh, They really need to look into those yeah, absolutely. Situations. I, yeah, yeah, I can see how that would be, you know, critical. Uh, I, I think of larger companies that have many components. We brought Boeing as an example. What a tremendous undertaking that would be. And I, I think it's important to do that. Are there groups outside of the company themselves that will do that for a company? Do you know? Well, I'm not sure if there are specific groups, but there are a couple of uh, requirements or laws. Like the U.S. has a requirement, a law really, uh, around some supply chain issues, specifically on conflict minerals. 
Back in 2010, there was a law passed requiring companies conduct a very thorough due diligence process around specific minerals. So it's not just diamonds, but some other minerals that to make sure that they don't come from the Democratic Republic of Congo mm. or the surrounding areas to make sure that they're not supporting these um, the regimes in that area and, yeah. because that's how they finance war and genocide. And so we want to make sure that that's not happening. And also, interestingly enough, the state of California has a similar similar law that they passed in 2010, which requires them to file reports that combat slavery and human trafficking in the supply chain Great. of certain companies. And they have to meet those re reporting requirements to help prevent abuses and, and also to help educate consumers on those issues. Good. Well, I mean, that's a step in the right direction. Do you see Absolutely. a lot of other states doing the same thing? Right now, no. Mm. But it would be great if that was a federal law yeah. and not just one state specific. So we'd love to see that be a broader requirement. I think there are more requirements in, in Europe at this moment uh, around that particular issue as well. But right now, California is the only one doing it that we know of. Gotcha. All right. You know, it's interesting, too, over the last couple of decades, there's been a huge growth in terms of what we call ESG or environmental social governance or, you know, sustainable investing, mm -hmm. which is easier term for some people, you know, which, of course, we've been practicing for 21 years. And along with, uh, you know, increased interest in consumer demand for corporate change on this issue. So, you know, we've we've seen a bigger push, we've seen more shareholder advocacy to look at supply chain issues. And not just because five or so years ago there was this huge tragic fire, but also because people are interested in it. We've seen issues with Apple, for example, and the components in their mm -hmm. phones. I I, remember, I don't remember what year this was, but this may have been a good 10 years ago. There was a clothing brand, and I don't want to call her out, but a famous television personality who had a clothing brand that I believe was sold at Kmart, which is mm -hmm. unfortunately now kind of out of business. But she was having her clothes manufactured at basically sweatshops in China. And that became public. And boy, was there a big backlash yeah. around that. So, you know, the, the social investment industry is really pushing this and consumers are really pushing this as well. There, oh, actually you, you did ask me about organizations and I, I almost forgot about this, but there is, there's an organization called PRI, Principles for Responsible Investments, that does look at supply chain issues. And, and this is part of the social investment industry where they, they really look at the ESG risks and, you know, it's... It can be kind of daunting for consumers, but in terms of the social investment industry, they really do look at supply chain issues. It's one of many things that they they look at, mm -hmm. but they offer some guidance for mutual fund managers, for individual stock managers on how to assess and manage the risks of supply chain issues. So they can remind corporations, they can remind investors that they really do have the power to to push supply chain uh, risk management to to top levels of of corporate agendas and and how to tell corporations this needs to be a priority. 
because not only can it damage your corporate reputation, but it can damage your bottom line too. And so Absolutely. it's something that you you really do need to pay attention to. Also, in February of 2018, this is a couple years ago, there was a study by MSCI, and they found that corporations that do implement ESG criteria into their supply chains, so that environmental, social, and governance criteria, will help them on an economic basis. So if they're looking at this in the supply chain, there are, and, and again, there's some best practice you know, responses that they can look at. It'll help them with resiliency and it will help them look at things like the, this uh, study showed, showed if they looked at things like reviewing supplier contracts, looking at auditing issues of corporations, identifying the sustainability risks specific to country not just, you know, we talked about the Democratic Republic of Congo, but if you look at country risk like China, India, Korea, those places where we, we see a lot of manufacturing taking place. If you look at sector, clothing manufacturing, auto manufacturing, things like that, you can work to create ethical sourcing strategies and they can stay on top of the legal issues around this and other regulatory developments. So we see a lot of regulatory stuff happening in the auto industry. I'd like to see more regulatory stuff happening with food manufacturing mm. and clothing manufacturing because there's not a lot that happens there in other countries. We see regulatory stuff in the U.S., but those things are not manufactured here much anymore. True. So, Very true. Yeah. Uh, this topic is so fascinating to me, and it's so big. It's it's just a it's just a wide ranging topic, and I don't think um, a lot of investors think about it very much, or consumers certainly don't think about it. But also another thing that I was just thinking of, and this is fairly recent, a couple years ago. This is a food issue. There was a huge backlash when we discovered and I don't think people think about this very much, a lot of baby infant formula is manufactured in China. And mm. there was a contamination of baby infant formula. I think it was mostly the powdered formula. And it was making infants sick. And I think more so in China, but babies were dying oh my because goodness. of that contamination. And so that, again, is a supply chain issue. Yeah, big time. Yeah. So here is some other really fascinating and interesting things that I found out when I was doing some research for this podcast. About two decades ago, there was a pledge that was put in place by the world's largest chocolate companies that was to prevent child labor in the cocoa harvesting industry and the That's supply good. chain. Yeah. You know, this is a, a huge industry. Think about all the chocolate that we I love eat, chocolate. right? Yeah, I know me too. <laughs> Just be honest. I'll be honest. Easter's coming, right? Oh yeah. Yep. <laughs> this is a big chocolate season. So in this in a recent report, none of them have made any significant progress in reducing child labor. Oh, you're kidding me. So this me. was no. This so went this from good news to bad news very quickly. Right. <laughs> now right. I'm going to be guilty for eating chocolate. Right. So uh. two decades ago, they made this pledge to to work on preventing child labor. Jeez. And there's been no significant progress in this <laughs> process. So I know you're going like, to eat this chocolate and go, 
some child probably. <laughs> Seriously, right? Like, oh, yeah. Goodness. All right. I know. It's kind of depressing. I don't mean to depress everybody when they're eating their chocolate, right? Because <laughs> a little bit of dark chocolate every day is probably really healthy for you. But yeah. So 10 years ago or so, there was an organization called Consumer Good Forum. It's just kind of, I don't know, it's kind of a funny name. But yeah, um, yeah they, they had about 400 members who passed a resolution and their, their idea was to achieve zero net deforestation in, in the commodity supply chains. And, hmm. and I, th- I thought, okay, this is, you know, pretty ambitious, you know, that zero net deforestation. And that's, again, that's super ambitious. And so in that 10-year time span, 400 members, right? Mm-hmm. Only 21 of them have reported any quantitative progress. Mm. Um, so again, I start out with this really great thing, and then I'm like, oh, man, this is depressing. But okay, so on this this big commitment, you know, it's it's a 5% prog- progress, and and it's it's really too slow to make any meaningful, meaningful progress. So I'm like, oh, man, you know, what's happening here? So let's talk why do you about- think, Why do you think that is? Um, well- honestly. I think because they make these grandiose claims of we're going to do this and we're going to go at 100% and we're going to do it in this really short period of time, but it doesn't work that way. And you you think you're going to get a hundred percent of people on board all at once. And, and I'm sorry, in the real world, it just doesn't work that way. You really have to make progress does tend to work a little bit slower than that. So, you know, we can, we can make efforts, we, we do move slowly, and we have to take those gains as they come and appreciate them and say, okay, this worked, this didn't work, what can we shift, and how can we make it better? Maybe I'm more and, of a pessimist. I'm, I'm sorry, Kim. Maybe I'm more of a pessimist, but <laughs> my thought is, you know, with the whole chocolate company thing, two decades, right? I think yes. it was more of a, we are going to eradicate child labor and cocoa harvesting. Your chocolate's going to be, you know, kid free, whatever you want to call it. And then they turn around the corner and I'm like, that'll shut them up. Right. Right. That could be. But that's Absolutely. how I feel because yeah. th- that's ridiculous for it to take that long. And I- I'm, I'm sorry, 10 years. Yes. It's a short time span. Yes. It was a yes. huge for goal. For deforestation. Absolutely. For de- deforestation. It was a huge goal. But how about this? How about 400 of the companies make a little tiny bit of progress? Right. Right. How is it that only 21 of them made any quantitative progress? I don't, do you, I don't even know what quantitative means as far as how much that truly equals. Measurable. measurable yeah. Have, yeah. I so don't I mean, know. I, I didn't, I don't know what the actual measurable mm-hmm. number was. So, but, but yes, yeah, on the child labor issue, it should be more substantive. Absolutely. Yeah. I think there are similar issues in coffee farming. Oh, eBay. Yeah. And so, and oh, I love chocolate and coffee. I was going to say, it's kind of depressing. If you start naming steaks is a big problem for me. We already (laughs) talked about that, right? But anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's something that probably needs to be pushed a whole heck of a lot harder. Yeah. Not that deforestation is something we should look away from, but child labor it's really not. There's no excuse. Mm-mm. There's no excuse for it. Absolutely, and and so it it's definitely something should be looked looked at a lot harder. 
what and again it's a supply chain issue so you need to go to to Nestle to to Kraft to all of those big companies and say I'm sorry you've got to go to your suppliers and make this happen mm-hmm. and so we in the social investment industry are really pushing that and I'm going to talk about some shareholder advocacy filings in in just a minute and and where we're pushing that all right so Sounds good. But yeah, so just before I do that, I'm going to talk about some meaningful signals to to watch for progress because we talked about a couple of depressing things. So according to sustainability, ability with a capital A, trends in 2020, and I'll go through these kind of quickly because I think we're kind of um, pushing up against time on this podcast. But in, in 2019, 43% of the Carbon Disclosure Project Supply Chain Program, that's kind of a big name, but those members, 43% of those members had confirmed that they currently deselect existing suppliers based on their environmental performance. So that's a really Mm. big number. I'd like to see it higher. But further, 30% are considering implementing this process. So 43% are already choosing to not select existing suppliers who are not looking at environmental performance in their supply chain, and 30% more are considering using this pro- this process. So that could be a big jump. Yeah, 30%. we got 73% of them on board. We got to just kick the uh, other 27% in the butt to make a decision. That's That's right. That would be huge. No, another one in in recent in a recent report from Deloitte, big auditing company, right? Mm-hmm. It was revealed that thirty four thirty four percent of large global companies, so these are big conglomerates, basically, have already used blockchain technology, and eighty four percent are confident that its mainstream penetration is inevitable. So why is this important? Simply put, it will allow the transparency and verification of data to be processed efficiently and securely. So that's what we mean by blockchain. And so what we want in the supply chain is that information to be passed through. Because I think for a, a long period of time, it was it was hard to get all of that data clearly and accurately reported. Hmm. And so we want all of that information. Also, I mentioned the European Union earlier, but the EU is now supporting regulations to protect child workers in the cocoa markets. So we just talked about chocolate, right? Supporting these regulations that would map out how cocoa supply chains disclose human rights violations, and hopefully that will force out violators. So the European Union has long been much farther ahead than the U.S., in a lot of these sustainability initiatives. And actually a lot of big cocoa producers are European and not mm. necessarily US-based. So that's actually a really great thing. Gotcha. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm tired of coming in second place or third or fourth yeah. or tenth to other countries when we are quote unquote, you know, enlightened and we have right. <laughs> good human rights and we, we treat everybody great, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. We, we can do so much more in a much Absolutely. better job. 
So. Absolutely. Here's another one that's uh, also European-based. So in 2019, the Netherlands passed new legislation that would have company executives criminally prosecuted if their businesses were proven to have repeated incidences of child labor. Love that. that be, Way to go, Yes, Netherlands. I do too. Wouldn't that be great if we could have that here in the U.S. or in other countries, uh, yes. especially in emerging markets where that tends to happen? Yeah, uh, and that uh, would be great. even if child labor isn't a huge issue here in the U.S., and I have no idea how, how bad it is here if we have a huge issue with it, holding our own U.S.-based companies accountable for yes. turning a blind eye to it. I, I exactly. think I would love for them to be prosecuted because maybe that would light a fire under their butts to do something about it. It absolutely say, would. Yeah. yeah. If they if they were ignoring their supply chain issues, if they were aware of what was happening in the down chain supply issues and they ignored it, absolutely that would be excellent. And they yeah. do. Yes. I'm sorry. Yes, they they <laughs> absolutely do. Yeah, they know absolutely. what's going on. It, even a small glimpse, you know, just what crack it open, really find out what's going on. If you have, if you suspect something executive, do something about it. Right. Yep. I mean, it's, uh, yeah. Okay. Yep. I do. So two more <laughs> things that we can watch to see progress in this area. IBM actually has developed what they call the IBM food trust and huh. alongside other companies such as Nestle and Kroger and care for, I'm not actually familiar with care for, but they they provide end-to-end supply chain visibility of food products, which I think is incredibly important. This needs to be shared across all product manufacturers, so not just food. Our food chain supply issues are extremely important, as I mentioned, the uh, the baby mm-hmm. food products earlier. So, yeah. Now, wait a and second. The, you said the, Nestle. Yes, so they're, they're, they're not part of this? Yes, they are part of this whole process. Mm-hmm. Oh, good. So maybe one of those chocolate companies has turned a corner. Maybe. All right. Let's hope. <laughs> you, can, you can maybe get your chocolate fix. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And the last one I have on here, and there are there are more, but these are, I think, some of the, the top six important ones. In 2019, again, because, you know, we don't have a lot that we know for 2020 because it's early, the number of Climate disclosure product supplier respondents, uh, again, we talked about um, the climate disclosure product project earlier, the respondents who, who replied reported that they are currently engaging with their suppliers on climate change. Again, very important issue. Mm-hmm. And the numbers increased by a third. So it's up by 35%. It was only 23% in 2017. So in a two-year period, the numbers of supply chain folks or, you know, people who are engaging their supply chain are up by 12%. That's fantastic. Do we know what that engagement yeah. looks like? So they're they're talking to their suppliers on issues around climate change and how are you affecting, you know, your, your water supply? What are you doing with your waste products? Issues like that, you know, what's what's happening with your discharge into the the atmosphere, mm-hmm. things like that. So they're they're looking at their suppliers on on things that are affecting you know climate change, gotcha. which are excellent. I hope, I hope they're not just asking the questions and they're actually holding them accountable for it and saying, okay, to continue be to continue being a supplier for us, we need to see some changes and and here's a timeline for that. 
I would hope so as well. Yeah. And if they're not, then we in the social investment industry are doing that. Absolutely. So, That's fantastic. Right. And, and which is where we get to the shareholder advocacy, which is the last piece I want to mention here. It's still super early in the proxy season for 2020. Shareholder resolutions are just now being filed. Voting season comes up in basically April and May and June. Mm -hmm. It's when people get flooded with all of those things where you need to check those boxes. So if you're getting your shareholder proxy votes, please vote them. Please make sure your investment managers are voting them if you delegate that process to your investment managers, because now is the time to pay attention to that. We don't have uh, you know a ton of information in the early part of the season, but you know what I know right now is that in 2019, if we look back, there were six resolutions that were filed on anti-slavery issues by one organization only, because there's a lot of people who file these. As you sow, we've mentioned them before, mm -hmm. did six different companies on anti-slavery issues. Another organization, ICCR, I love these two organizations a lot, did a number of resolutions on human rights issues, including with Amazon, specifically on modern slavery in the supply chain. Mm -hmm. They did they did one uh, also with Kohl's Group Limited. And they did several, as we just talked about, with deforestation and on prison labor in the supply chain, huh. which is a big issue. 2019, we saw a lot of filings on prison labor in, in supply chains because, believe it or not, they, they use prison labor, which is essentially what we would call modern-day slavery. Yeah. Interesting. I've so, never really thought about that yeah. as far as a, as being a huge problem, but yeah. They pay them pennies. Well, I'm sure. To, yeah. Yeah. Commissary privileges or whatever, you know? Yep. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Well, so, so there you go. Supply chain. Interesting topic, I think. Um, big issue. We could probably talk about it for an hour or two. Yeah, <laughs> but, absolutely. But that's, that's, that's kind of, you know, the brief issues around it and- you know, we're all going to eat chocolate. I don't want people to feel guilty, but, <laughs> you know, <laughs> we we need to think about, you know, where our food comes from, where our clothing comes from, how our cars are manufactured, pretty much everything, and the stocks that we own and what's happening with those. Again, the screening, the shareholder advocacy, it's all incredibly important. So, Absolutely. Once, once companies realize that investors are going to talk with their dollars and say, yeah. look, you know, I'm not going to continue to support a company that has no problem with child slavery or child labor or just really terrible working conditions for families and, and people in third world countries that already have a pretty tough lot in life. And now we're going to make their work life horrible as well. Come on, I'm done investing in you. That's when companies are truly going to start changing Absolutely. And through this advocacy. And, and I think that it's People can speak with their voice and with their money very effectively, and we can get these companies to to start paying attention. Exactly. And and it's so incredibly important to do that. Yeah, absolutely. Kim, thank you so much. If people want to reach out and get some of these resources, how do they get a hold of you? They can reach us two ways. They can call us 505-982-9661, or they can send us an email at info at horizons sfs.com. And they can find us on Facebook too. They can look us up at Horizon Sustainable Financial Services on Facebook. All right. 
And we'll have to talk about Facebook and their business practices another day. Yes, that's a big one. <laughs> but it's a great way for us to get that message out. So yes. visit Kim and her team on Facebook. You'll definitely get some good info there. Kim, I want to thank you again for your time. This was a fantastic podcast. Oh, I really enjoyed it. And I certainly love telling our audience about all of these interesting topics. And thanks for listening, folks. Absolutely. Thank you for listening to the Deep Impact Investing Podcast with Kimberly Grego Kyle. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Kim comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it much easier to share these podcasts with your friends and family. Thanks again for listening today. For everyone at Horizons Sustainable Financial Services, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Deep Impact Investing Podcast, the sustainable, responsible impact investing podcast that shows you how to get your voice heard. It's time to start investing like you give a damn. To ask a question that we can answer on an upcoming podcast, email us at info at horizonssfs.com or join the conversation on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash horizons sustainable financial services or give us a call at 505-982-9661 don't forget to click the subscribe button to be notified when new episodes become available the companies we may speak about during our podcast are not recommendations for investment only you and your financial advisor can determine what the right investments are for you and your situation horizon sustainable financial services is a registered investment advisor registered with the state of new mexico and other jurisdictions were registered or exempted. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the host and or guest and do not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Horizon Sustainable Financial Services. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning.